Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Welcome to the Unconvention 2022 podcast. I'm your host, Warwick Merry, and I'll let you in a little secret. This is the second time we've started this because I didn't hit the record button. But today I have a man who's very forgiving, a very understanding, and he is the Mr. Motivation himself, Keith Abram. Keith, welcome to the show again. Hey, thanks, Warwick. Super to be here. <laughs> <laughs> We're true professionals. No, look, this, you know, this is the cool part about it. You got to what's saying. You got to understand that none of us are perfect. You know what people see on stages. You know, everyone goes, "Oh, you know, they got everything together." No, no, no. <laughs> you know, we all make mistakes. So, hey, super being here to share. Yeah, some of us forget to hit the right buttons. So, for those of us who don't know who you are, give us the two to three minute verbal show reel. What do you normally speak on? What wows your audiences? Yeah, thanks, mate. I've been doing this for 25 years, which, you know, seems like forever, but yet, in essence, it's a heartbeat. And I feel like I'm just getting started, to be perfectly honest. So 25 years ago, since then, written five best-selling books, published in 12 different languages, big in Russia. I sold 25,000 books in a day in Russia, but I think they're using it for firewood. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm not sure if that counts. But spoken to 1.6 million people, 39 different countries. And, you know, these days I talk about goals. Talk about how do you, you know, I've been curious for a number of years about how do people achieve their goals faster, easier, sooner, rather than the opposite of that being slower, harder, and never. So I'm really just conscious of helping people achieve what's important, what matters, what makes a difference to them these days. You know, over the 25 years, I have evolved. Yeah. That's what I'm most passionate about at the moment. Yeah. And now I've heard you speak on multiple occasions and, you know, you've done incredibly well in this business through a lot of hard work, but you started off with an unlisted phone number, which is never ideal for business. So tell us a bit, tell us a bit about that. <laughs> Look, I can tell you, Warwick, uh, that if you had to be get in contact with me, it was... You had to be referred to me. <laughs> but to be perfectly honest, I when I left Suncorp and I said to Chris Dennis, I'd like to give this you know, speaking game a bit of a crack. And, I, and you know, I said to her, look, the, what's the worst thing that can happen is I go and get a real job. So if this doesn't work out, I get a real job. And so we had an unlisted phone number in our home. And I just, I never changed it and sort of, you know, my first goal when I got into business for myself was I want to replace what I earn in the hand, so I had not high aspirations, I might add, what I earn in the hand at Suncorp, I want to replace it. And we did that in the first couple of months, and you're right, it was hard work. It was lots of knocking on a few doors of people that I knew who said, who do you know that I can talk to? And doors opened and opportunities prevailed, and you know here we are 25 years later, and you'll be comforted to know, Warwick, that I, I don't need a food parcel from you this year. Last year, you may have, but not this year. Yeah, we've been sending those food parcels to a few different people. You know, people say, oh, what are you having for Christmas? I'm having 
you know, the European ham. Really? European? What? Oh, spam. You know, straight out of the can? <laughs> That's it. And you can glaze it nicely with the honey. So you talk a little bit about Suncorp. You know, we talk about Hollywood greats all have amazing careers before they become famous. So for you, what was some of your career before you became a speaker? Well, I was a trainer at Suncorp, trained life insurance agents, back when they were called life insurance agents. So that well and truly dates me. Before that, I looked after radio rentals here in southeast Queensland. So radio rentals which was a part of the Thorn EMI group, which none of those companies even exist now. Apart from in South Australia, it was a different it was a different company, but they own that name, Radio Rentals. So really it was for people who, you know, couldn't afford to buy TVs or whatever, so they rented it and they rented to own. This is back in the day. And so I looked after nine retail outlets, uh, about 25,000 customers and, a, and about a $15 million business. Nine, as I said, nine retail stores and 65 staff. So that was my thing that I was doing when I was about 27 and, you know, huge learning opportunity. And I, you know, you know, I mentioned to you, you know, one of, you know, my goal was to climb that corporate ladder. And, you know, I was on a nice pathway to do that, but just, you know, fell out of love with being the, the corporate leader and fell in love with making a difference in people's lives as a presenter, as a, you know, back in those days, a trainer. Was there a turning point? Was, was there one instant that just went, you know what, I really want to just dump this, become a speaker? Yeah, yeah, there was because so when I was working with Radio Rentals, you know, like there was an opportunity to move up and, and beyond. And at the time I was, I'd been to a Rotary program called Ryla. You know, that was, in essence, that was probably the turning point for me when I was about 24 because. I was still working at the council. I was still noxious. I was a noxious weed inspector at the council, you know. So I was doing two fifths of bugger all on the Gold Coast, and then I had the opportunity to go back and to be a leader on that program. And I, I just loved that ability to facilitate and to you know you know bring people together and see people evolve. We used to take people away for about a seven day out in the bush program, and then I teamed up with another guy and we ran created an organisation called the Australian Youth Development Foundation and we'd go to large corporates and we'd say, look, give us your best and your brightest and we'll take them in the bush. That program is about five days. And that was really a turning point. It was real, it was, wow, I just, I love doing this. And I thought, how do I turn, rather than still doing my corporate job and this, how do I just do that? And and so that definitely was a turning point, mate. But the real turning point was back in when I was 24 when, when I sort of thought that I had a bit of potential to be something. Yeah. And well, I'm pleased that you've tapped into that potential because uh, I suspect, you know, you're big in Russia now. That's important. Hey, uh, <laughs> what about, you know, we talked about oh, getting a real job and living off spam. Has there been a time where you've just like, oh, nah, this is stuffed. I'm going to throw it in. I'm going to go and get a real job again. Have there been moments where that has crossed your mind? Oh, mate, you know, look, there's been moments that I've, of what's saying, um, you know, I've rocked backwards and forwards in the corner. And had a big long drink, and then sort of you know picked myself up and gave myself a motivational talk, and you know got back on the horse again. I mean, you know, when COVID hit, that was pretty like a slap in your face with a you know wet mackerel type of moment. GFC was a you know a slap in the face. So there was things like that that when when it happened was like, oh geez, what do I do now? But in essence, I had one of my best years out of the GFC. 
but you know, like once again, like everybody, worked, worked, really worked. Same thing with COVID. You know, I've had two great years uh, since COVID hit and just been amazed and been transformational. You know, I know that's not the case for everybody, but it has definitely been transformational. And uh, But there's never really been that moment where I've said, no, nah, there's got to be something better than doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah. There has been moments, Warwick, when you're like, and, you, you know, you would have had it as well. You'd shake your head and go, shit, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> got to be an easy way, a way that doesn't hurt as much. Hey, so uh, I'm interested in that concept of who motivates the motivator. You're the Mr. Motivation. You help people with their goals and peak performance. What about what inspires you? What motivates you? What do you do when you're like, oh, man, just another one? Like at the moment we're looking about, you know, the old Omnicrom coming on in. So, you know, <laughs> it's that whole, oh, more of this, yay. So how do you keep yourself going? A few things. For me, for me, I have, firstly, I've got, you know, like everyone will say this, but, you know, I've got a beautiful family. Christine's been my business partner for 25 years. We've been, we're coming up to 30 years of marriage. So we, so phenomenal. When you've got some, a team person around you and, you know, I definitely, you know, drop the bottom lip every now and again and she'll say, okay, let's get. And so that's really good. Two beautiful daughters who get what I do as well, which is just great. But then when you expand the next level out, I've got wonderful colleagues around me, Jane Anderson, Amanda Stevens, Andrew Griffith, Rowdy McLean, you know, Rob Nixon, Andrew McGuirta. So I've got, you know, Jack Daly. So I've got some wonderful mentors. I've got some wonderful colleagues and I've always had great mentors around me that I can lean on and sort of go, you know, this isn't, yeah, what's going on here? This isn't work, you know. And for them to sort of give you a bit of a, you know, the proverbial checkup from the neck up. So that's, for me, I'm fortunate. I've got a great network of people around me. Yeah. You talked before about the last couple of years being starting off weird and becoming good for you. What's different in your business now versus before COVID? What, how have you changed? How has it affected what you do? Yeah, well, you know, I, like a number of speakers, I built a studio. So, you know, I've got a three-camera studio. I've got two plasma TVs. I've got a, you know, horizontal flip chart. You know, so, you know, I've got the whole bells and whistles and stuff like that. And so that has been a revelation in that I can still get my message across, I can still get interaction with the audience. It's a different type of interaction. It's not the, the applause in the room and all that sort of stuff. So it's not that type of interaction. But I get a I get a higher level of interaction. And I was pretty interactive before. And so that's been if there's one word I was thinking about this this morning, Warwick, if there's one word, it's reach. You know, there is not a corner of the world that you cannot be in. There's not a company anywhere in the world that we cannot be working in. I was chatting with a colleague on yesterday and just you know and we were talking he's got a very successful coaching business in all in the u.s he's based here in australia so before he like everybody every quarter he'd be in the u.s and and his business has grown substantial and he said what what's the real difference and i think you think of all the speakers that you know have gone and built a wonderful career the terry hawkins the peter sheans the troy hazards who built you know amanda gore early in early in the time she was a real pioneer they had to go there to the US to build a great business, to build up presence, because the whole saying was, well, if you're not here, you're not going to get the work. And yet, you know, last year I probably did, well, you know, this year being, I've probably done 20 
conferences in the US. Now, I'd never been able to do that before COVID. So it's reach. Yeah. What about your future? Are you going to still focus on doing these virtual stuff or are you going to go, oh, no, no, I must go back to lots of face-to-face. What do you reckon you'll be looking at? Whatever the client really wants, but I'll tell you what is changing for me is becoming very, very specific around uh, topic and very specific around niche. Because if your world is the, you know, if the world is your whole playground, then, you know, why couldn't I be? And there's, an, there's a high degree of acceptability of virtual if you've got a pretty dynamic setup. Like I had one of my last client meetings yesterday and they said, oh, look, we'd like you to be able to, you know, speak at this conference in Canberra. I said, you know, I just, you know, I can't. I've got, oh, I've got something booked there in February on that date. But I tell you what I can do. I can do a virtual. And the automatic replies, okay, our people have been in lockdown and we'd love them to get together and so we're really going to look. And then about a day later I get an email back from them saying, we've just looked at your virtual showreel and we think that this can work as well. We'll have the people in the room. And so what panned out of that meeting was somebody saying, no, I think we need to get people together to being now the, oh, we can still get people together but we can just beam you in and it doesn't matter that you're, up the road, down the road, or across the glo- the you know, the ocean, you know, that's a lot more acceptable. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about, you know, niching because the world's now your market. How's your niche or your topic or target market, how's that evolved over the last 25 years? Yeah, I know. Well, we've moved from can you fog a mirror and do you have a checkbook to now going these are the people I want to talk to and this is the topic I want to talk about. And so, you know, early on in the piece, where I go, you know, geez, what didn't I do? <laughs> so I did sales, service, team building, leadership, customer loyalty. Funny enough, I wouldn't talk too much about goals because I thought I'm not sure if it's a commercial topic because everybody knows goals. Then what we really realise is, Everyone knows of goals, but nobody knows about how to set and achieve goals. Like I, you know, you know, I've spent you know thirty six years studying goal setting, so we've got a pretty strong process around what brings out the best in people and all that sort of stuff. And I, in actual fact, I've just finished, which has been, you know, I have to say, moment of silence. This has been the hardest thing I've had to do. Is I've written a diagnostic tool that shows people what. Uh, drives them, what's their key desire, and how do they best build a determination. And out of that comes 135 different insights, 24 performance accelerators, and, you know, 46-page report. I mean, no, it has been by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And if you ever hear me say, I'm going to do another one, put me down or put me away. And just the look on your face now for the listeners, it's like they look at his face, it's just like, oh, yeah, not again. I don't even want to have to look at that. It just, yeah. 18 years of research and four years of working on this diagnostic, and I've just put it into a testing phase right now. And, you know, like, and, and this is not a brag, and, but, you know, I write a book in a week. I go away somewhere by myself, have the roughly the framework, of, and I write a book, and I give it to an editor, and I don't touch it again until... Somebody shows me a design. I mean, like, so to, to take four years to do something, it's been like, oh, my God, you know. And you don't even get a PhD at the end of it, even though it's the same amount of work. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the big play. You know, for me, this is the big play because it's the huge, le- you know, huge leverage option and, and stuff like that. So, you know, where there's great effort and sweat, <laughs> there should be great reward, and that's what we're working toward. Yeah, yeah. So, in essence, mate, you know, like back in the day, I talked about a lot. These days, it is anything to do with bringing the best out of leaders, and it's all around goals and direction and focus and taking that. The, you know, helping people find the purpose and their passion, turning into a plan so they can make progress. Yeah. Now, you've talked about, you know, your new diagnostic tool. You've also talked about the books that you've sold, best-selling books. What are the revenue streams or how do you, how are the different ways that you earn money in your business? Yeah. So, speaking, either in person or virtual. And is that the majority of your revenue or is it? A- no, no. So, there's that's a chunk of my revenue. We've got large leadership programs. So, you know, you and I have chatted about this. I think it was when we were in Perth once, you know, like I have, I pick a client or we, we have a client or a couple of clients every year that will drop a chunk of change, you know, anywhere from, you know, 300 to 500 to 700,000. And that will be from a large leadership program. And COVID has been the best thing for that program because you know, before I'd be going to London five times and into the US and blah, blah, blah. You know, now I've, so I've got that leadership program running, or just finished, I should say, in the UK and in Australia and then, of course, into New Zealand. So I've had three programs running at the, at the same time and still had every night in my own bed, still had, still go and catch up, have a game of golf with my mates, still manage a cricket team these days. So it's been a really, really good thing. Because here's the thing as well, Warwick, is that though we might not be getting the conference inquiry, because I think, you know, people are still a little gun shy about bringing people into a room, and not because of COVID, and not because of Omicron, but because of what governments are going to do. So people are still reluctant to do that. There's that opportunity to be able to still have impact with people. So I come back to the original question. I've got the diagnostic, which is just about around the corner. I've got online learning programs, which are all leveraged. So these days I work on having a lot, you know, 50% of my businesses turn up and present. Other 50% of my business is leveraged and rinky-dee-ding, chinky-dee-chink. And, you know, I haven't seen anything come through on Stripe this morning, but let me just double check. No, nothing's come through on Stripe. But it's not, it's not unusual to wake up and people have bought a, you know, $400 online course from me. And you sort of go, wow, just made $400 and I was pushing out Zs. Yeah. So it's been a pretty cool last 25 years for you and your team. Go forward 10 years. What do you see for speaking in 10 years time? Are we willing to even look forward 10 years? Like, what do you reckon? Like, how much will there be the, you know, holograms and blah, blah, blah? What do you reckon is going to change in the next 10 years? I'll tell you what's going to change and evolve is tech. Tech is going to change and evolve because there'll be some companies who will say, We will go and now source the very best expert authority in this particular topic and we will beam them into our global conference rooms or beam them into our global boardrooms or we'll beam them into our town hall in, you know, downtown Louisiana. You know, like we will do that. So tech is going to be the thing that continues to evolve because there will be a far higher acceptance of hybrid. Here's what my thinking will be. So tech will evolve in such a way that 
I'll still be able to do everything I can do from home, but it'll be so much more dynamic. And by the way, the tech that will evolve will convert, and we already see this now, and I'm not sure if you posted this, Warwick, but already starting to see that I can speak in Australian and it'll be translated into Japanese, uh, Italian, you know, Vietnamese, you know, Latin, whatever it is. You just plug in what language you'll be and my hologram or what's saying will be speaking like that. So we'll see that evolve. But that'll be, you know, five, ten years further down the track. Here's what won't change. What won't change is great content. Here's the ability to continue to develop people to their full potential. And what won't change is the people who will be booked, the people who will be engaged as professional facilitators, educators, keynote speakers, will be the ones who are continuing to evolve and change and on that pathway to being the very best they can be in doing what they do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's talk about Unconvention 2022 where people get a chance to be the best that they can be. Yeah. What's got you excited about the event and what a, particularly your topic and what a delegate's going to walk away with? Yeah, for me, I want to talk about the potential globally on how do you, if there's anything that I've learned in the last 12 months, it's the ability of reach, the strength of niche, and more importantly as well as how you sell, promote, engage people in doing that. So we will have to be, you know, like I think about myself, you know, over the last 25 years, it was like, well, you know, who do you know can benefit from my services and you reach out to them with an introduction. I think now you will need to get a little bit more sophisticated. And, and by the way, if I'm going to do that much energy and effort, why wouldn't I pick exactly the market that I want to be in? So I want to talk to people about how they, you know, how they obtain that reach in those niches anywhere in the world. So I just want to share probably, in essence, what I've learned about over the last two years. You know, I would never, you know, predicted this, and but <laughs> I'm being in the Amish community. And this is, you know, this is not the start of a joke. And how is that possible? You know, do you rock up on your horse and cart? Like- there you go. So I get a phone call. I mean, this is the beauty of what's happened over the last couple of years. So I get a phone call. Sorry, I get an email. What am I talking about? Phone call. You know, geez, how old are you? You know, I get an email from this guy who said, we've heard about you in the direct selling space and we'd love you to present to our group. Now, this guy's based in Johannesburg. I said, okay. So he said, and so I did my sales presentation in my studio. And he's got, wow, this is fantastic. This is going to be perfect. So we would like you to do a pre-record and we need that pre-record four months before the scheduled event. I'm going, wow. I said, firstly, you know, why so far far in advance? Like, seriously, I don't need that much editing. And he's got, no, it's our, you know, we're a direct selling organization. We have a large community of our people who are from the Amish community. Firstly, I'm thinking it's rowdy, has got this guy to connect with me and G me up. So, oh, God, the Amish community. Now, I don't know all the intricacies of the culture of the Amish community, but here's what I do know. They don't do tech. And I'm sort of going, okay. So then I go, I said, you know, why? (laughs) 
I said, I'm thinking that, you know, how do you present my content to the Amish community when they're not into tech? And they said, well, it's really interesting. What you have to do is we send them. So for everybody else, we're going to play this pre-record and, you know, they'll have your workbook and blah, 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 blah. For the Amish community, what they do is we have to send, first we take the recording, we transcribe it, we give it to them, to the elders of that community, and they read it, and then what they'll do is they'll approve that. Then they'll watch the video, and we will send them the video because some of them have access to tech, and they watch it as a small committee. Gee, it sounds familiar to normal speaking, doesn't it? Speaking show real. <laughs> and, then, and then what happens, if they think it's all okay, they will then have a town hall meeting and they will play it like a movie and there will be some Amish subtitles on it. I'm going, okay. So I'm big in the Amish community now. <laughs> that is hilarious. I am. Um, I'm sure when you were doing your goal setting, you never thought, "Ooh, Amish community." There's my niche. <laughs> That's a big niche. There's a niche for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, hey, let's wrap things up with our rapid fire questions for you. What's your favourite platform to use? Zooms, Teams, GoToWebinar, Adobe Connect. What do you like? Zoom. Yeah, that seems to be a common response. What's your favourite tech hack for a man with a big studio? And you just your, your laptop or whatever it is you use, what's your favourite tech hack? No, I'll tell you what I do love. I love my Stream Deck. So the Stream Deck is the thing that has just transformed. Rather than having the item, you know, there, the Stream Deck now, I've got everything into it. Images, messages, music, turn the zoom on, turn it off. You know, there's it all in a little set of buttons. Beautiful. Just out of interest with your studio and in the tech you use, do you get a techo in to help set it up or do you learn it all and do it all yourself? Oh, no, no, no. I got about 90% of it done and then I brought a, a lovely guy in, Chris, and he did all the finessing. So setting up the stream deck and everything like that, that was because I would, you know, set something up and I'd go, well, really, I don't want to have to go, now where's that end button on Zoom and how do I turn it off and still look sophisticated? Yeah. And he said, oh, we've got a thing that we can do on that. We can program all that. I'll go, oh, great. So I just have to push. I just have to discreetly push that button. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, beauty. So, yeah, uh, Chris helped me finesse it. Fantastic. And that's a new skill, isn't it, to sort of gently look straight down the barrel of the camera as your arm reaches across to press buttons, like because there'll be many buttons that you'd be pressing at different times. All right, uh, what's your favourite productivity hack? It's Calendarly. So I like calendar leaders setting up different, whether they be a mentoring session or, you know, bringing in a group or something like that. And so I like Calendarly. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Calendarly is a service where they can essentially look at your diary, look at your blank spots and book a time for them. So, and then reminder emails are all sent and you just rock up at the time. Yeah. Beautiful. It's really, really good. Yeah. What's your favorite meal? Oh, my favorite meal steak. I grew up on the farm, and I cook a pretty good. I put a cook a pretty pretty good steak. What's your favourite cut of steak? Oh, uh, ribeye. Okay, you got to get a nice little ribeye. I got to butcher about four kilometres that way, and then he's a great guy. You walk in there, and he's the typical butcher. You know, his name's Billy. You walk in there and go, Billy. Oh, what are you doing here? Get the. You know, so we, <laughs> we have a. <laughs> my Christine went over to get some steaks. 
and she hadn't met him before. And the next time I go in there, he said, hashtag punching. You are punching above your weight, son. <laughs> you are. Get the, you know. So he's a great guy. Awesome. Um, now, you do live in the paradise of Australia up there in Queensland, but what's your favourite holiday spot? Where do you go to get away from paradise? Well, you know, one of our favourite places in the world is Queenstown, and it'd be unusual for us not to be there like, you know, three or four times a year. We've got some friends of ours got a house there and stuff like that. But that's been off the radar. Look, up the coast, down the coast for us. So Gold Coast, where I grew up, or Sunshine Coast, has been really lovely. I live in Brisbane, so it's, you know... It's an hour and a half that way, or it's an hour and a half the other way. Yeah. And, yeah, pretty cool. And just pick the times to avoid all the dodgy traffic. Yeah, correct. What's your choice, wine, beer, gin, vodka, or tequila? Yeah, good question. So, love a good beer and very much enjoy French champagne. I'm one of these really unique and individuals who I actually don't like, like white wine or red wine, but I love a good French champagne. There you go. And, of course, I'm a rum connoisseur. I'm my own little mm. rum bar. Mm. So I collect different rums, and that's always the go-to gift when people don't know what to get me. But, yeah, that's me, mate. I'm pretty simple and basic. I might be high maintenance, but I'm pretty simple and basic. <laughs> uh, if you could have dinner with any three people in the world, uh, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, wow. Yeah, look, I really thought long and hard about this. I'm a bit of a cricket tragic, so it would be fantastic to get somewhere like a Don Bradman in the room a Shane Warne, and probably somebody like a Ricky Ponting, because I reckon that conversation would be pretty interesting from a sporting point of view. From a business point of view, you know, I think it wouldn't it be cool to get somebody like, tell you who I, I just think is absolutely fantastic, somebody like Anita Cobain, you know, so, you know, and, you know, maybe, you know, like an Anthony Robbins or somebody, you know, actually, not so much Anthony. I think Nita would be fantastic. Zig Ziglar would be fantastic, Patricia Fripp, you know, and that would be such a dynamic. It would just be, you know, throw one question into the centre and then sit back and just, you know, be, you know, sit at the feet of masters. So that would be pretty cool too. All right, so sort of wrap these things up, uh, what's your favourite book or podcast for a bit of inspiration? Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm loving at the moment is Jocko Willink. So Jocko Willink is the SEAL Team 3, or was the SEAL Team 3 commanding officer and I've read his book, Extreme Ownership, or listened to his book, Extreme Ownership, been listening to his podcast, and I've just finished, and now on the second time round, he wrote a book called Discipline Equals Freedom, and I'm loving that book from just about daily habits and things like that. So, yeah, that's been cool. Fantastic. Hey, Keith, thank you so much for your time today. I uh, look forward to your session at Unconvention 2022. But uh, again, thank you so much, and sorry about our false start. That was a bit of fun. Oh, mate, that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> you know, it, it ironed out all the bugs, didn't it? Really, for us, it was like that's it, that's it. And it never happened in the Amish community, that's for sure. Definitely not, mate. They were so all over it. <laughs> all right, mate. Thanks so much. Thanks. Cheers, buddy. You've been listening to the Unconvention 2022 podcast. We look forward to your company next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation. And follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. 
See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by your podcast concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. Thank you.